fun. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Musical the movie the podcast. Musical the movie the podcast. Musical the movie the podcast with Andy and Steph. You hear that, Dolby? That's right, Steph. You hear it. I know you hear it. Steph, we went and saw a couple of movies on Thursday. We did. It was a great it was it was a great A B at the movies. It was a great A B of uh the Fablemans and Mathrigan. Mathrigan um, is a, a highly yeah. recommend. Two the very similar movies in a lot of ways. Specific context <laughs> recommend. Um but so we're we're sitting there in our in our wonderful AMC theaters where of course they thank us every time for being a part of the A list. We it's, we take it humbly and with here. gratitude. And uh, we, we, it's really, we don't want the attention to be on us. It's all about Nicole. And so as we're deflecting that energy back towards Nicole, uh, right before the line in our theme song that we stole, somehow Heartbreak feels good in a place like this, what's she watching, Steph? She's watching La La Land. It's like, She's it's watching, been a part yeah. of us the whole time. Who knew? It was here the whole time, leading right into our podcast intro. Uh, the, suns, the Hollywood Hills uh, dance sequence from La La Land. Uh, and and just like that, we're off, Steph. Here we oh, are. Yeah. I just realized I took a peek at my uh, my recording thing and realized that I got so excited <laughs> <laughs> that she was watching La La Land that I like blew out the thing. So yeah, Pete, the that. key word there. Um, <laughs> it's a fun audio joke. Uh, now, uh, Steph, I'm going to start with you. Tell me uh, what your relationship is to Damien Chazelle's 2016 seminal film. La La Land. It is. uh, It's brief. We've established here on this podcast how I feel about Pasek and Paul and uh, specifically what my feelings were about them in 2016 when this movie was happening. And they're the lyricists for this movie. They are the lyricists for this movie. It was like and it was like it was like promoted. It was like from Damien because I think he had done The Greatest Showman already at this point. So it was like think so i think he had just done whiplash yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> one of our guests miming drums to help us get us on the right track so so yeah it was like the whiplash guy and the dear evan hansen guys and i was like mm, pass yeah no yeah um, yeah again, we have talked about dear evan hansen here we are not a fan particularly of the the songs uh big thumbs down from another one of our guests well it's yeah so that was so i just i sort of passed and then um I've always liked to watch the Oscars. I like to watch all of the pageantry and how everyone just sort of uh, looks like an idiot, even though they look fancy. And mm-hmm. thankfully, the 2017 Oscars did not disappoint and everyone looked like an idiot. And so uh, I that like so then La La Land just entirely became the the other the not Moonlight movie of that Oscars right. moment. Right. Um, what what's telling you about your relationship? Well, so I, I I also like the Oscar stuff. I like the pageantry. You know that about me. <laughs> and uh, and so I was I was uh, I liked I try to watch all the major nominees. I didn't get to a lot of them that year, but I definitely watched La La Land on my home television, uh, and just thought it was a snooze. I mean, didn't didn't really get into this thing at all, and was di- didn't like it so much, and and liked Moonlight so much that. When I, and this is 100% mm-hmm, true, this mm-hmm, story. Mm-hmm. I'm watching the Oscars on my computer that year. And when they announced La La Land is the winner, I slammed my computer shut 
and I go to bed. <laughs> okay. That's a, that's fair. I so I, I was bed. watching I was watching with roommates. My two roommates both like got up and left the room and I was like I don't know, doing whatever. And so I was like, oh, I guess I'll watch the speech. Yeah. No, I, I didn't. I didn't watch the speech. I slam my computer shut. I go to bed. I wake up the next morning. And in my in a, a group chat that we had for an Oscar pool that we were in, uh, uh, people are talking about how something wild happened at the end of the show. And I'm like, what are you, are you guys fucking with me? Like, what <laughs> What happened? I, I closed my computer. I need you to tell me. Uh, and they were like, you should probably just Google. And I was like, okay. I Googled it. Couldn't believe it. One of the wildest things. Again, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it, but just like one of the best things to ever happen at the Oscars. It must have been so hum- humiliating for them at the time, but like people fucking talked about the Oscars that year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Stayed in our uh, hearts forever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, again, to me, there's, I have a much better relationship with Warren Beatty looking confused <laughs> than I do with this movie. <laughs> So and, I uh, guess that's what lasts for me. For the past two episodes, we have been referencing one of the other greatest Oscar snafus of all time uh, because we've done two movies starring Adele Dazeem. Uh, <laughs> and, and now here we are on this one. It is Oscar season. So it is. Uh, Damien Chazelle has a movie out that we have not seen because it's three fucking hours long. Who uh, could oh. possibly sit that long? <laughs> I'm really, My, you know what? Mike is, is miming that he saw it, but he <laughs> can't tell if he liked it or not. Here's what it's I have to say. Very elaborate sign language. I am just desperate to to stop having to interpret Mike's sign language. And so I would so let's love bring him in. to bring him in. He's opened for Maria Bamford, Bo Burnham, Michael Ian Black. He produces Best Night Ever on Tuesdays at the Lincoln Lodge sometimes. He also is a CPS teacher, one of our, our city's heroes. He's Michigan's favorite son. It's Mike O'Keefe. What's up, Mike? Hey, sorry for, uh, I have, I, I'll do. Never apologize. Torture. That was so Torture to make delightful. people listen to you guys for, not that it's bad, but I have so many. It was lovely hearing you guys, your rat attack. You're like furiously back taking notes. But I'm just like, I have, I got hot takes on. Uh, I got. I need to share. So uh, we'll we'll go f- most recent to last last season. I saw <laughs> Babylon on Thursday, mm-hmm. and uh, it is Gosh. definitely three hours long. Yeah, uh, <laughs> love it. That when is that's one the thing number I will one say. comment about a movie. Running time is as advertised. Okay. All right. The craziest part about it being three hours long is that there also is barely a plot. Yeah. It's just, it's like three hours of sketches. It's really, really weird. Is it like thematically fun between them? Uh, kind of, yeah. There, there's like a little bit of a love story, but in classic Chazelle fashion, uh, it it doesn't go where you think. Don't you a curveball, baby? If it was just uh like the scene with Tobey Maguire, it would have been my favorite movie of all time. Because uh, he play, he plays an ether head, which is <laughs> who doesn't love that? Yeah, uh, I watched Deadwood. Hell yeah, dude! I know all Real about crazy that. Eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's also literally the one kind of through line is one of the most trite plots in the history of cinema, which is uh, it was tough for actors in movies when they had to start talking, and that's oh like, yeah. Mm. It's like a, as old as movies themselves. Not at all a trite plot line like in this movie of uh, young love and actors trying to make it in Hollywood. Um, <laughs> yeah. The longer I've been in uh, the performing arts, 
the less I want to see movies about the performing arts. Yeah. Now, our our next guest, Steph, you know this, we like to have a a guest from the world of comedy, a guest from the world of theater. Uh, Our other guest is a uh, a, a DC, or let's call it a Baltimore area uh, uh, playwright, actress, uh, a friend of mine uh, from Live Journal in 2003. (laughs) Uh, and we've stayed friends. Oh, we're just day. putting that out there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, you were you were supposed to give us your live journal name on the way in. And that's how we'll. Ta- I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah, we'll plug. We'll plug on live. <laughs> what a horror. Uh, I know she hasn't seen Babylon because she's also a, a mother to a one month old newborn, uh, and she has irresponsibly taken time away from that baby to be here today. Uh, she is New Jersey's favorite daughter. Uh, give it up. Leanne Denverno. <laughs> hello, hello. Uh, Hi, Leanne. My live journal, I believe, was Super Failure 22. For all those wondering. Piercing. What was Space Cop Lee? Um, that is my Instagram. Okay. I think yeah, still yeah, yeah, is yeah. my Instagram. Um, it may have been that, actually. I don't know who has been on live journal in the last 20 years. Not I. <laughs> um, but yes, Chuck Klosterman <laughs> brought us together, me and Andy. That's true. We were, we were two of like the only five people in 2003 to have Chuck Klosterman listed as an interest. <laughs> and it's and like, like man, I have to see who you do are. I disavow that now? <laughs> I stand by Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs, man. Yeah, Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs is great, even though there is some wild stuff in there uh, now about how homeless people don't serve enough of a purpose in society. But We skip over that. We skip over that. We read the fun stuff. It's all about the John Cusack takes these days. Yes, the John Cusack save of the bell. Tell us that stuff. <laughs> um, well, uh, Leanne, I mean, let's let's start with you. Can you just tell me uh, what your relationship is to La La Land? My relationship with La La Land, like you guys, was just based on the Oscars. I hadn't seen it this, that year. I was in a group chat with my friends because we also had an Oscar pool. I wasn't watching because I didn't have live TV at the time. I still don't have live TV. Who does? Um, so it was just that frantic group text of screw La La Land, exclamation point, exclamation point. Oh, shit, Moonlight. So and then having to watch it the next day. Um, but I actually did not see it until 5 a.m. this morning. Oh, wow. Um, so I have very fresh takes. Very fresh takes. <laughs> very fresh, if tired, takes. Yes. yes. Not your takes aren't tired, but you are from presumably waking up for that baby. I mean, day. maybe both. Okay. You know, who does? We'll see. Baby in we'll one see. arm watching La La Land. So, you know, it's a great way to start your day. It's a great metaphor for uh, the chasing your dream, isn't it? Ooh, you know? yeah. Chasing your dream uh, and then being stuck home with a baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, you're supposed to get famous first, like Emma Stone in this movie, and then have a baby with Tom Edward Scott. Right. I, when I tell you, it was approximately 6.20 in the morning, and I, while holding my newborn child, yelled, holy shit, Tom Everett Scott. That is not an exaggeration. <laughs> yeah. Um, because yeah. what is happening? Are the Oneaters back? This is what I need right? in my life. Right? Well, we'll get into it. Uh, we'll get into it. Mike, let's, let's go to you. What is your relationship to this movie? Uh, I saw this movie on Christmas Day, 2016. Uh, at the uh, here's why I remember it. Uh, this is at AMC River East 21. Back when salute I lived. Queen Nicole. I used to, yes, we salute. Heartbreak <laughs> feels good in a place like this. Uh, <laughs> and we, my family lives in Michigan, and me and my girlfriend uh, drove had driven driven back from Christmas that day. We were like, yeah, let's go see a movie. And uh, we went to the AMC River East. We got uh, some very terrible chicken situation at the Bowling Alley restaurant that's attached to it. 
and uh, we watched it. And I remember Mal saying, uh, if we were from the suburbs, that would have been like the best night out ever. But <laughs> since we live two blocks from this, that fucking sucked. <laughs> like, it was that instant where it's just like, this is t- like... If if we lived anywhere else, this would be like we would have, we would have had to gotten a babysitter. We would have had to plan this, but we didn't, and so it's terrible. And like the, I remember at the time being like, also you, we have, we you know to place this historically, this is the December after Trump got elected, and okay, to yeah. see like the world's most handsome dude, <laughs> like. Like nudge a black dude to the side and be like, "I know what jazz is." <laughs> insane. It was insane. Yeah. Uh, with that said, uh, I tried to rewatch it last night, and I, the first musical number in Traffic is like pretty great. The song's great. great. Uh, the rest of this, I mean, I just watched that, and I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to talk about this. I'm going to go back to watching Sinners <laughs> on Netflix. <laughs> But sleep, man, if you like if you like watching Bill Pullman be tired on screen, Sinners on Netflix. That's your. <laughs> he's so sleepy. It's like how's he even awake? He's solving murders. This guy's amazing. He's just just wiping his eyes. Oh, okay, all right. So you're telling me you got beaten up as a kid? This is this is not good. Uh, Mike, you're you're anyway. trying to talk about everything except La La Land. You <laughs> talked about Babylon for five minutes. You talked about Sinners now. I get it. I feel personally attacked by your story about the night out uh, because that is the dream. That's totally the dream. It's fine. Must have been the more insulting by the fact that he cooks some pretty good looking fried chicken near the end of this movie while you're having your frustrated chicken situation. That made me even angry. Yeah. I I said, no more. I'm out of here. And then, of course, that was also like, there's four, there's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have even nominated La La Land. If you look at, uh, this is definitely one that got in from like them in, like increasing the field, in my opinion. Because mm. uh, there's a lot of other, like Moonlight, yeah. And then Manchester by the Sea, I really liked. Hell or High Water was that year. Uh, I had a, more of them up. But there's a lot of great movies that year. And La La Land Arrival. wasn't one of them. Arri- oh, God. Arrival. Remember Arrival? Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, a moment of silence. Arrival. <laughs> A moment of loud, blaring horns meant to act as yeah. an alien speech for Arrival. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Fences that year, too. Fences, too. Fences, Hidden Figures. That brought us Hidden Fences. Another great uh, Oscar oh, yeah. snafu. Many Oscar wins that year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did anything happen at these past Oscars that was big? Mm. Oh, it's hard to, hard to say. I don't really, I feel like I can't I don't really remember. remember. I can't remember either. I couldn't even oh, tell that... you a single movie. Oh, there was, was a not slap like heard around the world. Oh yeah, that was that. <laughs> that that old thing. Yeah. Well, it's time to put Lala's name in our fucking mouth uh, <laughs> as we uh, as we uh, discuss sort of the plot and making of this movie. Because I'm I'm going to give a little background uh, real quick as to how this movie comes to be made. So, Damien Chazelle is at Harvard uh, with Justin Hurwitz, uh, who does the music for this movie, and they come up with this movie kind of in at Harvard. As they're, well, they sort of, they want, he wants to take a musical, but sort of ground it in real life where things don't exactly work out. And they explore that with their senior thesis film, which is a movie called Guy and Madeline on a Park Bench. It's a low budget musical about a Boston jazz musician. 
But he keeps working on this movie, uh, like when he moves to L.A. and he changes the location to L.A. But no one, for some reason, guys, no one wants to finance this jazz musical with a director they've never heard of in 2011. <laughs> and uh, and so the script, at some point, Focus Features decides they're going to make it. And they give them, they're like, we'll give you $1 million, but here's the deal. Instead of jazz, what if he's a rock musician? And uh, the opening yeah. number, we're going to get rid of that. And uh, the ending should be happy. <laughs> and so Chazelle's like, bye. And he leaves and moves on. Literally the only good things about the movie they wanted to change. Uh, and then Whiplash happens. Uh, and it, you know, it, it does well at the box office. It does well at the awards. And all of a sudden, Damien Chazelle is just the prettiest girl at the dance. So this thing goes into production and Miles Teller and Emma Watson are cast in the lead roles. <laughs> Leanne, what was that reaction? I loathe Miles Teller with like really? every Spicy. fiber of my being. I hate Miles Teller. Interesting. He's the best part of the Footloose remake. I'll say that. Oh, which I have not Ooh. seen. Do you think, okay, uh, as as this film's lead Sebastian, who is like, Meant to be, I think, a little bit off-putting. Do you? How do you think he would have? How do you think you would have reacted to that in him? I would have refused to do this podcast <laughs> because I would not have watched that movie. Hundred percent fair. Um, I mean, if oh, the man. goal is make me hate him, then great choice. Um, he does. He has like a punchable face. Like I just want to knock him out. It must have especially hurt you when he was uh, Reed Richards. <sighs> I am a fantastic <laughs> for apologist um, uh-huh. in every form it's ever taken. Um, but he, yeah, he, I blame him fully for this last one, even though he probably had yeah. the least to do with it. Uh, I was going to ask you why you hated him. And then you said punchable face. And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. Punchable face. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still haven't seen the new Top Gun purely oh, wow. because you're, you're the one person, the only person in America. Yeah. 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 Um, that that show about making the Godfather, he's he's pretty good in but it's not the show's good but it's not because of him yeah if that makes it sense. is yeah, yeah it's like everyone else is pr- is pretty great in it but he is uh, just ready oh ready that's the guy who plays uh, make the movie uh, ready the kid stays in the picture uh <laughs> yeah, what's his name yeah. uh robert evans thank you bob evans that's it the, the <laughs> breakfast <laughs> guy. nobody beats him baby <laughs> Uh, so for whatever reason, Mouse Teller drops out and Emma Watson leaves to do Beauty and the Beast. And on the other side of that, Ryan Gosling turns down the role of the Beast to do this movie and learns how to play piano for it, which is wild because you see him playing the piano throughout the whole movie. There's not a single double in the whole movie for his hands. Uh, and then Damien Chazelle goes to see the the run of Cabaret on Broadway where Alan Cumming was the MC, mm-hmm. And uh, for whatever reason, Michelle Williams dropped out for a little while of it. She was the lead role and Emma Stone was in it. And that's how she comes to get cast in this movie is as her uh, uh, run as Sally Bowles in Cabaret on Broadway. So Justin Hurwitz, uh, his buddy from Harvard, he composed the score and soundtrack while Pazik and Paul, Dear Evan Hansen, etc., write the lyrics, except for the John Legend song, which is written by John Legend and Justin <gasps> Hurwitz and, and some other you people. You can tell. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> this thing goes on to gross $446 million at the box office. It receives 14 Oscar nominations. It ties Titanic and All About Eve for the most nominations for a single film, but it is the only one of those three to not win Best Picture. Uh, it instead wins director, actress, cinematography, score, original song, and production design. And I'll give it, like, 
half of those. I'll give it half of those. I, I <laughs> One of the things I kept wanting to say when we were watching it today is like, the score does is doing a lot of work and it's doing a lot of good tone setting, even if it is like the same motifs over and over again. It's wild how good to me the score is versus how blah the sound the songs are, <laughs> especially since they were all composed by Justin Hurwitz. But so it's like, do I blame Pesek and Paul? I don't know. I don't know. Wait, do you, Mike, do you want to get into which awards I would give it? Because it, it's it's actress, cinematography, score, production design. That's fine. Original song is absolutely ludicrous to me because it's City of Stars, which is one of the sleepiest songs even in this movie. And it beat, or it, yeah, it beat uh, How Far I'll Go from Moana, which is a kick-ass song. I mean, how many La La Land-themed three-year-old birthday parties you go to? <laughs> none, dude. Absolutely yeah, none. Yeah, almost none. Well, tiny baby Ingrid Bergman's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like all of them, like, definitely not Emma Stone. I think she's okay. Like, she's pretty good in it, but she's, I, I'd like... I don't know. That's that's the acting ones I wouldn't. The direction ones, maybe. Cinematography, maybe. All the sound design stuff, sure. I mean, throw a throw a dart at a board and see who you know right. for some of those. Uh, but yeah, I, the directing one not wouldn't be my pick either. And I it, the craziest part is that I loved Whiplash when I saw it. I'm sure as I have become a teacher, I would hate it now. <laughs> I'm sure my. I'm sure I would completely change my tune, but I was like, you know, I was kind of in on this guy and then this didn't, it got me out. That's, that's where I was. Whiplash to me is like one of the best suspense movies of all time. Uh, and it like, like literally the, the movies that I've been like most sucked into over the past few years have been the past like 10 years have been Whiplash and Blackfish, that documentary about the killer whales. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, those are just as scary to me and just as enthralling. Yeah. Uh, well, Steph, let's, let's, let's dive into it. All right. Uh, I, well, I do want to real quick defend Emma Stone. I do think, I think Emma Stone. <laughs> she is great. I, she's fantastic. I, so she's I was going to defend Emma Stone, like, in, I have a lot of moments in the summary, even, where, like, I've written, like, I don't, there's not, like, a plot here. It's just sort of, like, Emma Stone selling this moment. And she does yeah. that more than once. Like, I, I, so that's my defense. She's so dynamic and, and can do so much. And like, maybe this should have just been one of her nominations for, for a win later. You know, like Michelle Williams keeps racking them up and it's like, oh, it's not going to be for Fablemans, but boy, you'll get it. on that sixth try. You'll get it. I'm sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. The Amy Adams of it all. The Amy yeah. Adams yeah. of it all. Yes. Lady Everything DiCaprio. comes back to arrival. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. All right. So now we can, uh, let's, let's dive into the plot. So, uh, right off the bat, we're going to, like, anchor ourselves in some classic Hollywood cinematography with presented in CinemaScope taking over and sort of, like, giving us that transition into the movie screen ratio. Um, We pan from an idyllic blue sky down to a traffic jam. And the sounds from the smattering of car radios resolve into our opening number, Another Day of Sun which is a magical realist festival of a traffic jam of made-up wannabe stars and all of the romantic aspirations of people who come to L.A. dancing on the freeway. I, I mean, is that wrong? That's what happens here. No, that's, that's about what it's like. <laughs> we just watched uh, a, uh, a video where the choreographer walks you through this entire sequence. And, Highly uh, recommend. It is. It's. It's great because I mean, it's three shots. It, there's only like two edits in this whole thing, 
And it's like these 30 dancers all having to hit their marks at the same time on this freeway that they shut down. Uh, it's great. I don't have a lot of beef with this opening number. I love... Yeah, um, it's like... Yep. No, you go. Uh, yeah, it's... it's You're, you're going to be so happy you let me chime in on this. <laughs> I think it's pretty good. <laughs> Amen. The magic of Zoom, baby. <laughs> You know, I, I just just to build on Mike's point, um, I really love. Um, but I do. I really there's some great costuming work happening here. Everyone is in these like bold, solid colors, um, except for our first lead in the song, who's not like a character. But she she does like do the first like transition from just the world to, oh, look, we're in a musical now. And she's got this like polka dot print and um in this video, you're watching the choreographer, whose name is Mandy Moore, and that must be just rough for her. So shout <laughs> yeah. out to the choreographer Mandy Moore. Uh, she talks about how like she makes sure to like put this girl in the shots, even as like the camera spins all around, so like we, the audience, can sort of track and and stay along with her. And none of the we're not going to see any of these people again for the rest of the movie. Well, that's not that's not quite true because if we're ready oh. to move on, we can talk about how we are going to see Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone are part of this track. Okay, I want to be clear that I did not mean we did not see Ryan Gosling <laughs> for the rest of the movie. I, uh, I, I like the opening sequence. I think it did a good job of establishing we are in a musical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it, it served its purpose, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it sets that tone. Yeah, we're going to do one shot and, you know, make you feel like you're in the theater. And mm-hmm. it was fine. It's supposed to be a throwback <laughs> to all these you know, older, like, Busby Berkeley-style musicals, and I barely know what that means. But <laughs> uh, but it is, like, you know, that's no one listens to those songs anymore, and it's because they're not super catchy. And, like, this song is, like, kind of catchy, but it, it doesn't, it sort of just it goes through you, like, White Castle, you know? Ooh. You're, you're, you're done with it, like, right away. Yeah. A moment for that metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, th- I'm there with you. I got you. <laughs> yeah. You guys ever had crystal sliders down south? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm Ooh. from the south. We oh, I had crystal my whole life. Yeah, crystal was the no good for me. Oh, yeah. I'm for it. I'm a big crystal fan. I won't have that on my podcast. Uh, <laughs> I get oh, that I on the record. I apologize. <laughs> I, if anyone from the Zaxby's Corporation is uh, listening, <laughs> let's get you guys in the north. Let's do that. All right. Well, one of my other podcast co-hosts, Matt Riggs, his brother manages the Zaxby's in Indiana. So you got an in. Yeah. How, where in Indiana? How far? Got an uh, why you want to go? You want to make a field trip? Yeah, yeah, let's go. <laughs> All right. All right. Right after this, we're going to meet at Zaxby's in Indiana. <laughs> listener, we're going to have a listener meetup. Meet <laughs> at the Zaxby's somewhere in Indiana. Somewhere in Indiana. The you spin-off just feel podcast. It. Yeah, yeah. Zaxby's, the chicken, the podcast. <laughs> so, yeah. So, we get a title card. They they all slam their doors at the same time. Title card, La La Land. Uh, it tells us that it's winter, and then we pan down to Ryan Gosling, who is in a sort of pretentious-looking classic car fiddling with the radio, and see that he is stuck behind Emma Stone, who is rehearsing an audition scene in a Prius, and not noticing when traffic picks up. They honk at each other. Uh, and then we follow Emma to her barista job. And then uh, Emma, I'm calling her Emma because, like, we don't know her name for all of this opening stuff. She has a coffee mishap while scrambling to an audition. So she's wearing a ridiculous blue puffer coat while she performs her scene with, like, all that Emma Stone has to offer. This is one of those first, like, we finally get a chance to see her 
like being that little aspiring actress and you're like oh okay i see i see what they what happened here yeah this this audition scene is a much better audition than the audition late in the movie that changes her whole life (laughs) yeah absolutely like in this audition scene i'm like oh she's fucking acting Right? And she then the other one, it. I'm like, can you move your anything on your body? Move your arms, <laughs> do anything? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, we, you know, we're the audience. We're all touched that, like, she's actually good at this. And then someone interrupts them as we sort of come to learn is just, like, the way it goes. Uh, they're good. She leaves. Everyone in the hall is wearing the white button-up shirt that she was supposed to be wearing. Um, I wanted to shout out the way here when they interrupt her, she, like, She's, like, her character is, like, on the phone, and she sort of, like, puts the phone down and then, like, picks it back up and, like, holds it there while the other people in the room have a conversation. (laughs) Just, like, so they don't lose time. Where you see her make the choice to stay in it. Yeah. (laughs) And it's so, it's so heartbreaking. It's so, like, yeah, she's just so It's apparently based on a real thing that happened to Ryan Gosling where he was, like, crying in an audition. Like, he was doing an an emotional crying scene, and that, that literally happened to him. A lot of the screenplay was apparently, like, workshopped with Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Oh, that's cute. I see that. As someone who has auditioned and also uh, done casting for shows, it hit very close to home because I've been both of those people on both (laughs) sides of that table where someone comes in and you're like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. Just hold on. I gotta get my lunch order in. And also... You know, people completely ignoring you when you're in the midst of things. But one of yeah. the things that this movie did that I both liked and also hated was the whole, like, inside baseball thing mm-hmm. of, like, oh, mm-hmm. we're going to nudge, nudge you if you have seen, you know, if you've auditioned for things before, eh, everyone's wearing the same outfit, eh, you know, mm-hmm. like, they did that a million times in this movie. Um, yeah. Also... Did they get a sponsorship from Toyota? Why do they hit us over the head with the fact that she drives a Prius? <laughs> it's really four clear. times. Yeah, it's I think not it's a joke ambiguous. About how... Let's see how different she is than Ryan Gosling's character. I, I think it's part part of it is it's a joke about how pre pre were um were everywhere <laughs> in in LA especially at the time because uh, there's that joke later where she asked him to get her keys for her and she says it's a Prius mm-hmm. and then there's like forty Prius keychains on the thing. Which is like a joke from a completely different movie. It's right. like so out of place. Yeah. That, like it's it serves its purpose, but it also like feels like it's from a, a Judd Apatow movie. I <laughs> yes, feel like there are a lot of moments here where Damien Chazelle is trying to like make L.A. the third character of this movie. And he does, I think, a good job of, of like capturing a lot of vibes. But that also feels like one of the vibes that he's trying to capture in like little ways. It's just like, who wants that from it? Like, that's not LA's purpose. Like, New York does that. (laughs) Like, Chicago can do that, you know? But, like, no one wants LA, the concept of LA, and is like, wow, I love LA. Randy Newman did once, but (laughs) other than that. And and that song is ironic, Andy. (laughs) I would say that any other city in the known world can do that, except for LA, honestly. Mm -hmm. Because just, I, I mean... There's a lot of transplants in Chicago, but LA's like so many more transplants. There's like neighborhoods in LA, sure, but by and large, it's you know a bunch of freeways and stuff. With that said, I'll be in LA next month for my bachelor <laughs> party. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. Love to play everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we're back at home. Mia flops on her bed, which is beneath a six foot tall poster of Ingrid Bergman's face. 
You know, she, like you, you like have you when you're a struggling yeah, you know, artist. Just to show, just show where your soul really is. Uh, she takes a steamy shower and has just the most wonderfully typical roommate scene, like through the bathroom and back out. And uh, it leads us into a little convincey to go to the party, getting ready for the party bop called Someone in the Crowd. Here's where we finally learn her name is Mia. Uh, they, big the reveal. Room, big reveal. <laughs> um, the, the four of them are off to the party. They're in bold, solid colors again. It's L.A., so they travel by montage. Uh, Mia sings the last melancholy verse of this song from the bathroom of the party and then emerges into this like out of time slow motion dance sequence that then picks up when someone does backflip into the pool and then the camera's in the pool and there are fireworks and it's swirling and Mia's car got towed because she parked it under a no parking sign. Here's And here's what I'll say is that uh, the cinematography in this whole song is awesome it's it's really well shot it's really like there's a lot of things where i'm like god they had so many fucking moving parts to this thing and they made them all happen that's incredible we've watched this movie twice in the last three or four days i can't i can't hum one bar of this song (laughs) Uh (laughs) yeah i after watching the movie this morning about an hour ago was like i should re-listen to these songs and I also could not tell you a single thing about this one. No, there's just nothing, nothing that sticks. If you told me that this was from something else and it was like the one not original song in this movie, uh-huh. I would uh-huh. believe you. It just sounds mm-hmm. like every other song that's ever served this purpose. I appreciate how the like getting ready part and, and then they're like the four of them walking like they're in Sex in the City. Um, and it's like it does capture that feeling of like getting excited and the possibilities of a fun night she's got all that charm she somehow looks great dancing she sounds fine singing she it's so much of this movie is on her charm i mean this is the charm yeah that makes the andrew garfield spider-man movies somewhat watchable <laughs> amen can't say enough about her like, charm yeah i rewatched super bad recently and um she is by far the best part of it like I know that's sacrilege to say as a dude who saw that movie for the first time in actual high school, but like, <laughs> she's like, she's really great and like really grounded and yeah, she's aw- she's awesome. She's fantastic. That was, her performance in Superbad was just straight up star making. Like everyone was oh, yeah. like, who is that girl? Like 100%. we need to start putting her in things. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So Mia is trudging home in her heels and she eventually follows some piano music that mirrors her righteous angst into a warm Christmas decorated supper club. We see Ryan Gosling. The music swells back into beeping car horns and takes us back to that opening freeway. But this time we follow him as he proceeds to stalk a building. (laughs) That's the only way I can think to describe that. Uh, We follow him home and immediately understand how insufferable he is as he yells at his visiting sister for the crime of sitting on a famous jazz musician's stool. Does she like jazz? Then he doesn't give a fuck. That's his whole character. (laughs) But Rosemary DeWitt plays his sister and she is charming as fuck here. I do wish we had gotten more of her. Yeah, Yeah. underused. Yeah, like she has like this one scene and then like shows up in pictures and that's it. Yeah, she's in a lot of scenes like in the background waving or like, yeah, oh, right. oh, I'm in a montage with, uh, here's my new boyfriend. <laughs> now now we're getting married. 
Surprise. And they, now yeah. you have a kid. And weirdly, they yeah. set up the thing of, oh, I have this friend you should call. And then never, like, call back to that, which made no sense no. to me. Like, I was expecting to be like, oh, it was Emma Stone all along or <laughs> something right. like that. Yeah. And you just never hear about it again. Yeah. I wonder, yeah. I bet that's the, hearing Andy talk about the, like, ways that he's trying to ground this in, like, the real experience. That it's trying to be like, yeah, sometimes your sister wants you to call someone and then nothing happened. But, like, we didn't need that. Exactly. Know? Not at all. Yeah. I will say that this is the moment I stopped liking ryan reynolds or ryan reynolds ryan uh he, i mean ryan every movie that ryan gosling isn't in ryan reynolds is in uh it's just math at this point and this was so bad it made you stop liking ryan reynolds yeah I was, i'm out it carried yeah, over is, yeah deadpool sucks whatever uh but this is the movie i stopped liking ryan gosling's character because like throughout my entire life i've been into like Weird stuff that, like, not everyone's into. I was, like, the one kid in my high school who liked punk rock and I like wrestling and soccer. Like, things most people don't like. But the one cardinal rule is if someone doesn't care about the weird thing that you like, let them be. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. just let them go. It's all right. It's fine. You don't need to yell at them about Charlie Parker or fucking whatever. <laughs> so, so glad to hear you say that. Maybe we'll explore so that yeah. later uh, <laughs> on a different uh, feature of this episode. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, totally. That is like his worst quality. But so, but fortunately for him, to get in a little bit ahead of ourselves, Emma Stone's life is so fucking empty that she is just willing to drink in whatever he pours into her. Yeah, it is. Ugh. Okay, so in this fight, I the- do like jazz now. She says, "Right, you made me like jazz." Yeah. Yeah. I'm a female character in a movie that a man wrote. I love whatever <laughs> you love. <laughs> basically that is accurate so they have this fight in this fight we learned that like he was screwed out of some kind of jazz club venture he's not recovered or acknowledged how screwed up he is about it he plays it as piano a little bit and then we go back to the christmas supper club so we've like now caught up to that same moment he is fighting with jk simmons who just wants him to play christmas music and after doing that for a few hours he can't take any more Play something mellow and jazzier. And this is the moment when she walks in. Um, I want to highlight this is we got it's the second time I think actually we've gotten this lighting change to a spotlight that like slowly kind of fades and all the world dissolves around them as they're like playing their as they're working on their craft. The first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's fun. Like, I really like using film language to sort of establish these things. And then when we were watching it today, I was like, you don't have to scream about it, dude. (laughs) Like, that's that's just sort of, that's what it feels like to me. I think it's less about, or the way I interpret it was, it's not, oh, we're setting the tone for these characters. It's we're telling you we're in a musical. Like, (laughs) pay attention. Pay attention. We're in a musical. Did you forget? Did you forget? (laughs) Every time Uh the spotlight did that, I was like, I know. We get it. (sighs) So the lights come back up. Uh, somewhere in here we learn his name is Sebastian. J.K. Simmons fires him. Big for reveal. Breach of contract. <laughs> uh, Mia comes up to him in her trance from the music, and Sebastian just blasts past her. I mean, he um, bittersweet symphonies right into her. He just... and, and, end of story. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, the chord hits as they as they yeah. touch. Um, so then we get a montage of Mia's auditions. And we hear the synth from Take On Me hit as now it's spring. We're in a new season. 
We're in a new season. Uh, Mia is... <laughs> Mia's at an industry party, and there's an 80s cover band, and what do you know, that guy who was a dick to her at the supper club is playing the keyboard. So she tries to fuck with him by requesting Iran. Uh, just, I, it's, it's pronounced Iran. It's not... <laughs> He's a, you know, he teaches uh, the government yeah. to high school kids. So. Um, no, it really is. The moments where she's like sort of fucking with him by dancing to the song is is true. Like both times we watched this movie, I was like, man, Emma Stone is the only person that could do it. Emma Watson certainly couldn't pull this off. Absolutely not. But yeah, but the things that Emma Stone is doing, she just has, she, she's able to do so much with her big ass eyes <laughs> that it just uh-huh. works. Um, so now we're off. They like, they have a charming exchange after the party. Uh, they're waiting for the valet line and Sebastian saves Mia from an awful conversation with a writer about Joseph Campbell, which is like mostly in the background, but I just really love, uh, they are bantering up a hill to find Mia's car and end up on a vista overlooking the city. He starts to croon, negging the love song, a.k.a. A Lovely Night, and Mia changes into the tap shoes that she brought to a party. I think this, the ensuing choreography here is adorable. I think they both pull it off. I have no complaints. This is like, I don't I don't like need any of this, but I, it does charm me. It is very charming. And th- this is the scene Nicole's watching in the in the, uh, the, the AMC one. pre-roll. So it's filmed in front of the Hollywood Hills and the sunset. And that's not a green screen. Like, that's real. They really had to catch that. They had like a 30 minute window for them to nail their dance steps in front of the sunset for two days. Uh, And they eventually got it. But man, what a wild thing to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I said that. It's it's, uh, another big one shot. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Shout out to Mandy Moore, the other one, uh, for uh, (laughs) the choreography here. Uh I really liked this sequence, I thought it was very charming. Um, but I do feel like the entire thing from the party into this is just another like, hey, hey guys, have you have you seen Singing in the Rain? Singing in the Rain. Uh-huh. Eh? Uh-huh. Eh? We're at a Hollywood party. We meet up awkwardly. Now we dance. There's a pole I spin around. Like, There's, yes, we've so- seen Singing in the Rain. Thank you. <laughs> You're also describing Showgirls, but yeah. I- <laughs> the pole they spin around. You the know whole what? Thing. I have seen Showgirls more times than I've seen this movie though. So. <laughs> You're a big Saved by the Bell fan. I get that. Yeah, I don't know what that's. Okay. I don't know what that says, but I'm an NC-17 completist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Andy's two favorite movies are Showgirls and Pink Flamingos. Those are his two <laughs> so he, lo- he loves strippers and people eating shit. That's what he's all of it. Yeah. Um, no, that's a good point too, though, because we talked about, and I'm gonna talk about how like the ending is sort of like clearly contrived backwards where they were like we want to have this sequence happen as the end of this movie okay how can we get them there and like it sort it only sort of works and this is sort of another one where i'm like they clearly wanted to like have this dance sequence on this vista in the hills like and then we're like okay well how could we possibly get them there and like fine i was really impressed actually with gosling's dancing in this scene, because mm. I knew he could sing because I was a child when the Mickey Mouse Club <laughs> remake happened. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, you know, those are my original Gosling memories. Um, yeah. But I was really impressed with his dancing. Like Emma Stone, I knew could do all this and, you know, had done cabaret and was in that weird Partridge Family show at some point. Um, yeah. huh. 
but yeah it was like the new partridge family audition thing it was like the first thing she did i think oh wow um and she won and got to be the sister whatever uh, and we all remember exactly right i'm yeah aging myself um <laughs> but like seeing gosling do the dance number and the way he like really hit everything i was impressed by yeah it is impressive because until mean, then the end- i was like do we need gosling in this movie could yeah. this be anyone else i do and uh, there is stuff that i enjoy from him in this movie and it's and you know it's impressive that he's always playing the piano and then it, the mm-hmm. all the stuff where he's i don't know he's he's just so good as this guy who has just eaten shit from an industry for for years and years and like understands that that is like like just sort of understands that that's what he's doing right now like he's yeah. not like complaining about the eating shit he's just this is how you eat shit yeah again pink flamingos you guys gotta check it out <laughs> I will say this, I don't love Ryan Gosling's voice in this. I know uh Leanne, you said you you th- you knew it was a good thing. I I on the soundtrack at least, maybe it plays different in when you're watching it, but on the soundtrack, his track came on when I was driving home today and I was like, "Oh, this he just sounds like kind of mumbly and a little too like dirgy for me." I feel like that's oh, they're that's we're just starting to get into the like um capturing things capturing uh singing performances live to camera and i feel like that sort of this is maybe one of the early victims of that where like Mm. he's in character being all mumbly and like Mm -hmm. stumbling home at sunrise or whatever i was les mis the first one that did that I think Les Mis like the first, like, is big the first one. one that does it on a big yeah, scale. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. I and like makes you, it like part of it. Yeah, I can't tell you secondhand because a friend of mine uh, st- stood outside Spamalot on Broadway and met Tim Curry <laughs> and said to him, uh, "I loved you in Muppet Treasure Island." And Tim Curry <laughs> said, "Thank you." I sang live for that movie. Aw, so I can tell you that I guess we have to say Muppet Treasure Island was the first one. Love it. Let's give <laughs> let's give proper credits. Yeah, Tim yeah. Curry can do no wrong, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I also saw the I saw the Whitney Houston movie recently. Yeah, which is as far as the movie goes, it is like lifetime original movie level. Yeah, it's not great, <laughs> uh, but the singing is magnificent. Okay, mm. and I think they all I think they did all that live too. So it's it, it like it's it's a watch at home for sure. Uh, but it's, it's also like, it's like two and a half hours too. But the singing is fantastic. So like they have done it really well. And they gotta stop making movies so long. That's a whole other. Yeah, thing. yeah, they do. Amen. The only thing I want to mention before we leave this is that this little exchange ends because Mia gets a booty call from someone named Greg. To come, Ooh. more to come later. Um, oh, and Greg. The next morning, uh, she's back at her barista job on the Warner Brothers lot. It is a dreamy place, but she is a terrible barista. Sebastian finds her there, and they have a cute walk and talk through the lot where they bond over their artistic aspirations. She is passionate enough to earn his respect, so he immediately starts building her up, which I do really like that this movie does really well. Later, she admits that she hates jazz, and so he's like, nope, and takes her to a club to explain how she doesn't hate it, she just doesn't understand it, and we get the film's second big jazz rant. Um, only this time, he is using actual jazz musicians as props for his presentation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they make a date to see Rebel Wilson. Wow. They w- make a date to see... <laughs> I admit, I tuned out for a little bit. What if that was the twist? <laughs> just all of a sudden, this movie's Australian. 
Wait, you just found out that I got so bored that I put on Pitch Perfect in the middle of the scene. <laughs> they make a date to see Rebel Without a Cause, starring James Dean and not Rebel Wilson, on Monday night. And Sebastian walks home at sunset, singing, mumbling City of Stars to himself. Yeah. The Oscar winning, the, the song that kept Leah Lin-Manuel Miranda from being an EGOT. How dare they? I like there's this is this is a sequence that is very much like these two actors have chemistry. Let's try to capture that. That's all I have to say about this sequence. <laughs> right, yeah. Like this I don't... is their third movie together. They did uh they, Crazy right, they Stupid Love chemistry. and the other one was called something. Couldn't tell you, I'm not um, gonna look it up. Yeah. <laughs> uh they they I mean I think Ryan Gosling is really great at having chemistry with like every female mm-hmm, he's in a movie mm-hmm. with he's really good at acting uh with other people which i guess is the same as acting right he's just really good at acting <laughs> gangster good squad could i have told you that was a movie gangster squad gangster Squ- oh josh brolin is in that movie uh it looks like josh brolin is in this. sean penn sean penn. um it also looks like uh sean penn features in this movie <laughs> <laughs> Who's, hey uh, Andy, who's the when you're editing, <laughs> I would love if you can like keep a tally. Like here are all of the movies that we tried to talk about <laughs> instead of talking about. All of them. Michael C. Ruben Broker Fleischer at the movie, music box after this. <laughs> oh, the, uh, oh, the, we got you got Charles Fleischer, Roger Rabbit's uh, not Charles Fleischer, Ruben Fleischer. <laughs> oh, okay. Big sandwich fan. Anyway, it's good to be here. <laughs> Charles Fleischer is an insane uh, stand-up comic who voiced Roger Rabbit and uh, does a TED Talk where he claims to know the fabric of the universe, but we don't have time to get into it. Uh, please send that to but me. But we will yes. link yeah. to that TED Talk. Absolutely. Yes. Don't, worry. don't worry. As a woman who has been on dates with men, um, <laughs> this is not the beginning of a love story. This is, I'm never <laughs> going to talk to you again. Like, I feel like we've all experienced that of, no, this is the one thing that, how could you not understand? You need to understand this to understand my soul. You don't date those people. You don't do dance numbers with those people. (laughs) This is, all Ryan Gosling has established at this point is that he is the exact same as that writer at the party talking Uh about his screenplay. They are the same person. Wow. He's just doing it with charisma. He's just doing it with a... (laughs) Black people as props is what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, he's just doing it over six foot tall. Oh yeah. God! I, don't it's know. Ju- I mean, it, it really is just the idea of your partner has to be into every single thing that you like is such a like sixteen year old's dream of what uh-huh. relationships are. It's so stupid. There's so like earlier when I was mentioning that we start to get this little like peek into him like building her up and we do see a lot of that like we see how he gets he like he gets a lot of satisfaction from her success and like is just really genuinely supportive and we don't see any of that going the other way not because like we don't see her being supportive of him but right because there's just like she's only like jazz that's fine <laughs> totally fine right totally fine most people in the world don't like jazz it's one of the most understandable things to not like. <laughs> yes, 100%. I mean, 100%. and also, I do like jazz, but this movie made me want to be like, I'm just not going to talk about that. 
I I am not a music person. I am extremely tone deaf. Uh, and jazz just makes no sense to me. Like I can't. I'm no like, sense. oh, it's syncopated. Cool. That doesn't make it good. Um, I also hate tap dancing. I don't think tap dancing is real. Hot take. It's not real. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, what do you mean it's not real? It, it's not real. <laughs> Okay, this is a, this is a oh. side, sidebar hot take. Um, oh, please. I'm all I'm in. I don't okay. like it either, but I do not deny its existence. <laughs> I don't deny its existence in, like, there are people physically tapping their feet, right? Clearly, okay. I'm not a crazy person. <laughs> but when they're like, I, I can't watch somebody tap dance and hear the music and think that those two things go together at all. Everyone's like, oh, look how they interpreted this. No, it's bullshit. They're just tapping their feet however they want. It doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. Sure. Fine. It's not real. It's not a real thing. And do you want to talk real quick about how you think water is making the frogs gay? Yeah, yeah. Let's please get into that. I would love to hear your take on who is and isn't a crisis actor. I'm totally normal in all my takes, guys. It's just tap dancing. I honestly, I agree with your your explanation of what you meant. I 100% agree with. Maybe don't lead in with, I don't think tap dancing is real. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Got it. Listen, people on the left need to get better at marketing. I've been saying it for years. (laughs) Okay. We have to talk about this movie. Sorry. Sorry. We have to. We We simply must. must. Enough fun. Back to the show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Mia has a callback. It doesn't go well, but she still says that was fun. Thanks, which is very cute. It's, it reminds me of uh, my my girlfriend in high school had an interview at Baskin Robbins, <laughs> and at at the end of her job interview, they go, "Okay, is there anything that uh, anything else you want us to know?" And she goes, "I really like ice cream." <laughs> <laughs> It's important information. I if I left if I left my interview at Baskin Robbins worried that they didn't know that I love ice cream. You bet your ass I would clarify that. Oh my god, that's fucking amazing. I mean, it just sounds like those interviewers did not do a good job. That you do not ask the person applying at Baskin Robbins if they like ice cream. That's question one. Do your job. I feel. I feel like if you're the interviewer, the f- question number one is, "What's your favorite flavor?" Right? Yeah. Yeah. Gotta yeah. be. It's gotta be. Well, you got 31 oh, options. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was fun. Thanks. Oh my god, I had to take. A- also, Steph, Annie mentioned a previous lover. Does that make you jealous, or how's the rest of the podcast gonna go? <laughs> we've, we've really worked through a lot of that stuff. Believe okay. <laughs> Andy, I have to ask: Was this? No, this was not. Oh, this, is, but this is before that. The one X I knew from our olden days. <laughs> yes, from 2003. And edit point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, she had a terrible man. callback, but she's not letting it get her down because she has a cute ass date. But oops, she forgot about the Greg she's dating, who she also had plans with on Monday. She is meeting his brother after they've been dating for a month, so going pretty well. Just kidding. That's terrible. Uh, And the date is terrible. The conversation is boring, and Sebastian is waiting alone outside the movie theater. 
Mia hears jazz music at the restaurant, and that's enough. So she flees. What is the one thing that you um, heard them say? Like when the the sort of audio of the conversation at her dinner is fading out, but like the last thing you hear them say is China is building a Panama Canal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally, it's China is building a Panama Canal. <laughs> I, I caught it because of the subtitles. Love it. Um, she shows up. She so makes she it. shows up. Uh, she immediately goes to the front of the movie theater, like you do, so that they can get like a cool shot for the movie <laughs> <Yeah>. trailer. <laughs> um, and then finds them. They enjoy the movie. They do like that cute little hand dance. Where like, oh, I'm not. I'm not trying to hold your hand. I'm just putting my hand on my knee and next to your hand, which is on your knee. And uh, they do that, and then they're about to kiss when uh, the film burns out. And so it's during the Griffith Park scene, and so they go to Griffith Park, and they break into the observatory. The score is full of trilling flute music, and the magical realism takes over as they dance among the stars. It's a little bit like Fantasia First State. I thought you said Force State, like Fantasia if the government made it. (laughs) Fantasia for state. Yeah. Fantasia first date. I went to Fantasia State to play football. I'm sorry, hundred percent worth it. I'm just, I'm, I don't know. It's, I haven't been on Zoom in a while. We're doing our best. <laughs> go, you fighting disembodied hats? Yeah. Let's go, mops. Let's go, mops. Uh, we get an iris out to indicate a turning point when they kiss. And uh, now we get a summer dating montage. Ooh. Hot. Mia is... Re- oh, go ahead. I just said hot because it's summer. Oh, hot because <laughs> it's summer. I feel like... I mean, this is the thing. I've been just, like, reading this plot, but, like, it's nothing. So, like, it, they're dating now. Mia's writing a script for a one-woman play. Sebastian is playing at a jazz club when Keith, played by John Legend, uh, the one uh, person of color who gets to have lines in this movie... Uh, <laughs> comes over and says hi and offers him a job with his new jazz combo. They like have some sort of weird history, so Sebastian passes. Um, but then later, like, overhears some thing like a conversation with her mom or something talking about how he doesn't have a stable income. And so he's like, fuck that, I'm gonna go be a musician. The idea that he would, like, turn down this gig that we hear, like, plays $1,000 a week plus, like, various travel expenses and, like, is just, it's not at all believable to me that he would turn this down. Granted, he doesn't know that yet. He he doesn't know that until he goes to the studio, how much it pays, where he seems to be very uh, surprised by it. Oh, I guess that's true. So, yeah. So then we hear them at the studio and Sebastian freaks out like Saul Goodman's brother when they introduce an electric looping machine. <laughs> because how dare you do that to jazz music? And uh, and my sort of my favorite part about this is that when John Legend flips on that drum machine, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, this actually slaps mm-hmm, a little bit. Mm-hmm. But we're supposed to be like, this is messing with the sanctity of jazz. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Don't do that to jazz, bro. <laughs> I, so, like, this whole thing, we get, somewhere in here, we get, they sing City of Stars as a duet, and they're, you know, they're having, like, their cute little dating time. Um, but it, like, sort of takes us into this big stage number, where um, he's now playing with this band, they're called The Messengers, and they're doing, like, a big stage show, 
Um, they perform the song Start a Fire, which, as Andy mentioned, is the one song that John Legend writes. And, like, we are supposed to, I think we, the audience, are supposed to think that this is bad, but, like, it is the one bop of the whole show. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry that you had to play a synthy thing, I guess. I don't. Yeah, and actually very cool silicone uh, synth piano that he is able to do these cool solos on. And like Emma, and and like not only are we supposed to believe that it's bad, but like also he doesn't look like he's having a bad time. He looks like he's having fun right. during this performance. And then it keeps showing Emma Stone and like dancers come on stage and Emma Stone looks so scandalized <laughs> by the fact that he's playing in a band that has dancers. There's no dancing I'm, in jazz. Yes, I'm supposed to be the only one dancing <laughs> while black people surround me and are amazed at my moves. <laughs> That's a scene that happened earlier in a montage. Uh, how do you guys find John Legend uh, as a performer, artist, man of the world? Like, guys, outside of this movie? Just in general, yeah. What, what's your, how do you guys, do you guys like John Legend? I think he's pretty, I think he's pretty fa- fantastic. I think he's great. Yeah. He's, like, one of, like, the great talents of our time. Like, I don't, there's a lot of, like, his songs that I'm sort of, like, this isn't, like, what I reach for when I'm just, like, listening to music. But no matter what, I am always swept up in his voice and his piano playing, which is funny that he doesn't play piano in this movie. He has more Oscars than Lin-Manuel Miranda. (laughs) I definitely did like this song the best by a mile. Yeah, of all song the songs in this movie, absolutely rules. And the, the this song, was... when we were watching it, Andy like added it to his play, his like master playlist. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. John Legend, and especially hearing John Legend's voice after you've heard Ryan Gosling's, it's like, <laughs> oh, that yeah. is dramatically different. Yeah, yeah. but I yeah. did like the cinematography in the scene too, and the way they had Emma Stone fade into the background. And everything like, oh, mm-hmm. they're going to hit a hard time in their relationship because she's faded into the into the blue now. Oh, no. Um, yeah, exactly. Heavy handed, but good. But like, it's Just... right there. They they like they're very clearly taking us along right. the path, the like points of the story. But uh, to go back to a previous plot point that you mentioned, I do think the most unrealistic thing in this movie is she stood in front of the movie in the movie theater and no <laughs> one said anything to her. Right? Everyone no was one said, just sit fine. the fuck down. It's Los Angeles. In this art house showing of Rebel Without a Cause. I, I don't fine. know what LA is like. But in New Jersey and Washington, D.C., if you stand in front of the movie so you cannot see it anymore, someone will curse you out and throw things at you. Yeah. No doubt. And you will kind of deserve it. Right. Yeah. But no, I'd she say Chicago's f- probably the same. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd venture, I guess. Even at the music, the beautiful music box, someone <laughs> were to stand in front of the uh, apparently uh, floor level screen, uh, <laughs> I would have to yell at them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be, that'd be theater two. The theater one's your big one. Theater two's that little side one. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a member of the music box. I'm really here to just promote the music box. That's great things we got going down over there. Just really appreciate uh, the lovely place. Give me a see broker know, after yeah. this. It's going to be good. <laughs> Let me know when Nicole gets involved over there, and then we can talk. <laughs> Heartbreak smells old in a place like this. <laughs> Yeah. Ugh. So so anyway. Yeah. So she's she's just so agog at the fact that he is playing this music, even though she learned about jazz five minutes ago. <laughs> right. And then um, so so then from here too, it's like a little mini montage. But now like 
he is on the road because he has this gig and Mia is left alone. She's like moved into his apartment, clearly. Um, and now we get this sort of like emotional climax scene, but we're going like right from the club to this fight that they have. And like, there's just nothing there. They haven't like built to it at all. Um, but Sebastian has been on the road. He comes home for a night to surprise her. Wow. It's going to be great. Just kidding. They fight. Um, he thinks that she should come on tour with him because she can rehearse anywhere which she sees as dismissive of his of her career rather than like an attempt to spend time with her. Um, and she finally realizes that like he has taken this job in a touring band and that means that he is going to be touring with a band and not in LA for the majority of time. Um, so what the and... fuck you're going to play with them for another year this band <laughs> right? that pays you actual money, $50,000 plus a and year? So... It's just, like, it's just this fight where, like, neither of them say their feelings. They're each, like, really obtusely standing in their opposing positions. Like, they take cheap shots. Literally, the record that they're listening to stops. And that's sort of, like, the moment where, like, the record stops. And they're like, well, we're done. And then the smoke alarm goes off and she storms out. Like, it's, there's never a point where they, like, have a reason to fight at all. It's pretty manufactured. We go right from here into the um, the like photo shoot stuff. Finally, it's the day of Mia's one woman show that she's been working on. But oh no, there's a photo shoot for the band that's scheduled at the same time. Like you couldn't. And here's what I love about it too: is John Legend says, "Yeah, we have that photo shoot tonight. Is that okay?" He doesn't say like, "Yeah, you got to be there." He says, "Is that okay?" Right. Right. Just like gives him this big out. Right after Gosling says, "See you tomorrow." Yeah. Right. Like, it's so easy to just say no. uh, We got that shoot tonight. Make it. Yeah. 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 No, my relationship is precarious at the moment, and if I miss this, it'll be bad. Maybe. Yeah. So he does go to the the shoot, and he's made to look a fool, and he has to wear a piano key necktie, which is maybe my favorite detail in this whole musical. (laughs) (laughs) Hat tip, Magatu. (laughs) <laughs> I was about to say, uh, Chiselle loves Zoolander. Big Zoolander. <laughs> Mia finishes her show. Uh, the lights come up. There are eight or nine people there. Sebastian is not one of them. Backstage, she hears someone like trash the show because it's a one-woman show, and so, of course, it was terrible. Um, and she's about to go home carrying her little hat box when Sebastian arrives they like have another fight, but it's nothing. And she leaves. She goes home to Nevada this time to her parents' house where she has a bedroom with a map of Paris on the wall. Why Nevada? I wonder. I know that's such a detail to get hung up on, but like it's not like it's everywhere USA. Right. Maybe it's so that like it's somewhere that she could drive to. Yeah. That he could go get her in a night yeah, to bring he her back. Could go I get her. That. Yeah. I was just going to say I had the same feeling. It's just like people from LA love to dunk on the Midwest, but she's like, no. Nevada. That's what we're talking this time. Right. The real America. Yeah. (laughs) Reno. Yeah. 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 Towns Um, built on tourism. Yeah. So Sebastian is uh, playing the piano at his sister's wedding. He is trotting around in his once again barren apartment. And he gets a call from a casting agent who is looking for Mia and apparently has that number but can't get a hold of Mia's cell or something. And he decides that he's going to drive to Nevada and get her to the audition. Um, and they do that. 
yeah, pretty much that happens. <laughs> then that happens. Yeah. There's no, they just, they have a conversation. They do that. With lots of honking. Lots of honking. Lots of honking. Mm-hmm. That is, uh, yeah, this guy may be an insufferable jazz prick, <laughs> but at least he always honks really loud when he comes to pick you up. <laughs> and she's charmed by it. Yeah. We see, like, that she loves it. Yeah. He does act like a kind of cool 18-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Like, he's like, yeah, jazz and uh, honking the horn. Uh, yeah. I don't care what people think of me. Yeah. Fuck that Christmas yeah, yeah. shit. You know, I'm, I'm the reason they still have a smoking lounge in this high school. All right? <laughs> all right? All right. Fuck you, dude. But instead, he's like 35 or whatever. Yeah. Like, oh. Well, I think I read that they really wanted the characters to be younger originally and then just changed it when they got these actors so that makes a lot of sense oh, those character choices make more sense yeah. to me when uh-huh. i think about it that way because uh-huh. miles teller would fucking honk that horn <laughs> no <laughs> doubt yeah. it's all he does right, but when like ryan gosling does it you're like dude you know yeah. better yeah yeah man like, that is like exactly. there is a weird there's a weird like layer that gosling just brings to all these performances where he is like doing like shitty douchey stuff but you are just like yeah. nice oh, young God. man yeah yeah. It is. He's yeah. like, a, like a nice little baby goose, you know, whereas <laughs> whereas Miles Teller, if he would have driven all those miles to tell her that she had an audition, uh, it would have made You know what sense. I've been saying for years. Slow clap. What's good for the goose is good for the gosling. That's yep. my take. Yeah. You've always said that ever since Blue Valentine. Yep. I would say that since Blue Velvet, honestly. <laughs> I just remembered a story I read years ago, which is about Ryan Gosling had like an anxiety attack or something. He had some sort of episode he had to go to the doctor and he goes to the doctor and uh the doctor writes on a prescription pad and he hands it to him and ryan gosling looks at it and it says try doing a comedy (laughs) (laughs) this is like he had done like lars and the real girl and like the notebook and like all these like heartbreaking movies back to back to back and the doctor's like you gotta chill the fuck out That's Hollywood. Even when you're a doctor, it's like, hey, I got career advice for you, buddy. That's amazing. What, uh, did he end up doing a comedy after that? Crazy Stupid Love? Okay. With Emma Stone. That's, f- yeah. And, uh, Michael and Scott. Gangster Squad. <laughs> Drive? Drive was so funny, man. Oh, my God. I laughed my ass off at Drive. So cool. <laughs> Guy driving around. Jackets. Love Scorpion it. jacket. <laughs> yeah. That funny. Gloves. <laughs> Brian, Brian Cranston, limp. <laughs> Funny stuff. <laughs> All right, y'all. This audition. Sorry. It's different. <laughs> this audition, they do things a little different. A little different around here. This one's this got a spotlight. audition. <laughs> this is your daddy's audition. This is L.A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, she walks in and everyone is like warm instead of asshole-ish. Um, they tell her that the story is in Paris. She loves Paris. And she'll get to develop the character and the script. And for the audition, she just has to tell a story. And so she sings. Uh, I think the song is called Audition and then parentheses. Here's to the ones who dream. Um, and as a song... And, like, a resolution to her story about dreaming and not giving up. Like, it's a wonderful performance. Uh, We learned that this is one where Emma Stone is singing live. And, like, I think she does some really great Emma Stone singing. 
as an audition, <laughs> she's like standing bored still and too understated even for a camera. <laughs> her arms like, are are flat at her sides like she's doing the the uh, the what was that called? The the preacher seat where you jump in the you jump off the diving board and you put your arms flat at your side. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. She's 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 stock still in the middle of the room. Uh, never moves, n- barely emotes. Um, it's remarkable that she gets cast off this audition to me. Yeah. Right, and then off this audition, it's... Uh, well, I guess, so first we get a scene where they, like, go to Griffith Park and confirm that they're breaking up for no reason. Um, because, because despite, like, the invention of smartphones, they couldn't possibly keep in touch from across the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... That went to Paris once. We didn't break up about it. That was like, we like dated about it. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. So now it's five years later. It's winter That's again. That's right. The original Avengers Endgame. All of a sudden, five <laughs> years later. Uh, they get us with another sky blue vista. But then this time it is on, a, it's like a, a set on a lot. And it like sort of wavers and you see that it's fabric. That shot of the of the um, vista that turns out to be fabric. I mean, they really get me. I, if I was Roadrunner, I would have ran right into that thing. <laughs> it's very like Super Mario Three. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta just go. You gotta trust yourself and just go uh-huh. right into it. Uh-huh. Do you? Um, so Mia is famous. She's married to Tom Everett Scott. Yes. They live in a mansion. <laughs> they have a kid. Uh, Sebastian is also in a nicer apartment. Um, he's making himself fried chicken before heading to his club. He walks past Mia's giant face on a movie poster while he does that. Uh, Mia and Tom Everett Scott are later that night on their way to a play, but there is traffic, so they bail in L.A. Who would have thought? Yeah, you could never have prepared for that. <laughs> Was Waze out in 2016? <laughs> <laughs> they have Waze? Yeah. I'm almost positive I had Mr. T telling me where to go in 2016. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I like Tom, Tom Everett Scott just is one of those dudes where like just him showing up lets you know that you've picked the nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, Just his face is just like, yeah. I think he doesn't even have any lines that are like fully on screen. Like he like talks to her from off camera to just like be part of the conversation. I don't think he had a line I would have caught if I didn't have the captions on. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. But I've never like, been. How are you feeling? I that is the moment where I became the most invested in this movie was the addition <laughs> of Tom Everett Scott. Really, like, really. I'm on board now. Let's do this. Yeah. Just him being like, "How was your day? <laughs> is there anything you need me to do around the house for you? <laughs> Look at me being a good dad. Like, I love yeah. It. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So they are like, oh, we're bailing. We're going to dinner." Uh, they wander into a club, and time stops because she sees the Sebs logo that she had made for him five years ago. Um, we go down into the club. These black people are the only ones beside <laughs> Keith who get names as they are introduced. Uh, and uh, Sebastian and Mia make eye contact as he is like sitting down to play his set. And so now... We no, get wait, to before the you get into this, I yes. do just want to say that because it's Tom Everett Scott, 
Like, I just had this thing where I just thought they were going to be like, the drummer's not here. We need a drummer for this jazz set. And he was oh going to put on some sunglasses and be like, and spin a little drumstick around and be like, I got this. See, that's what that's what would have made me say, screw Moonlight, La La Land should have won. <laughs> really that is, bold choices by La If this took place in, in the ttyd verse, that would have changed the whole thing. Geech. Uh, Tom Everett Scott in TTYD, uh, just to stay in the universe for a second, he does do my favorite uh, drummer move where he do- he kind of like, he has really good posture and he's just like, <laughs> perfect bit to do on a podcast, but uh, <laughs> but he just point. like, it's okay. just head stuff and he, yeah, it's good. Like he's great. Every, ch- every appendage is like wiggling a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that show Insecure he was on, or not Insecure, what's it called? Yeah, Heaven Sorry. is a Ray. No, no, yes. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, the Andrea Savage thing. What's it called? I'm sorry. Oh, I don't know this. I think it's it's really good. It's there was two seasons on IFC. Give me one second. Oh, talk about uh, yourselves. I, I think it is called I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's great. It's awesome. It shows. Hilarious. Oh, interesting. But he plays oh, the death. It's uh, and it's full on Tom Everett Scott, good dad. Uh, oh, my heart. The time has come. Yeah, yeah. we've earned this. Go for it. Yeah, Spartacus. <laughs> I, okay, Spartacus. so um, <laughs> so Sebastian is uh, sitting down to play his set. He sort of like takes a moment, and then uh, he starts playing like the tunes from the score that we've heard him sort of working on. And uh, this time, each of them fade into a spotlight. And the movie flashes back to the moment that they first uh, met in the supper club. And instead of blowing her off, he goes up and kisses her. And then we get, like, this montage of an alternate timeline where, like, where they had made different choices. So he blows off Keith instead of joining the band. Her show is a hit and he is there to see it. Um, They do this, like kind of cool like slip into a white screen soundstage and it's sort of like I think is to represent like all the stuff that they made together during this happy times I guess it's like a big choreographed number um to like get us to the end and then uh she we see the audition she gets the Paris job he goes with her because why wouldn't he just go with her there's lots of jazz in Paris as they say um they have the life together, they have a baby, and then they get off the highway and pop into the same club, and so we, like, catch up to the same moment. And then Mia and Tom leave, and they lock eyes once more and smile, and he counts off the next song. Yeah, and here's a, here's a line that never happens in the movie. Uh, oh, hey, I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> like... What? He just did, like, I would be so mad if, like, then Tom Everett Scott is going through pictures later and he's like, hey, is this the guy who you stared at wistfully for five minutes <laughs> at that jazz club? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. You couldn't Do just you say, hey, him? that's the guy I used to date? The one strike yeah. against Tom Everett Scott is completely not observant at all. <laughs> yeah, very oblivious <laughs> right, sure. to the yeah. fact that Mia is reliving the past five years of her life <laughs> yeah. in her head. Yeah. Full and not trauma. like a... Not like a subtle way either. She's just like, Mm -mm. (laughs) what was achieved in this scene that was not achieved uh, much better when Ariana Grande penned the song, Thank You Next, I ask. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's that's just a, that. That's a really good way of putting it, honestly. That is it. Is it's like uh-huh. this whole thing about like, oh yeah, you can have people that you don't end up with, but that still helped you along the way. Right. That they like they had their time yeah. together and then they left each other and that's fine. Like there was. I'm so thankful. (laughs) Uh Uh, Now I think we should all go around and mention all of our exes and their cell phone (laughs) telephone numbers. (laughs) I think that's the only way to cap this off. (laughs) Name every ex who ever made you listen to jazz. (laughs) (laughs) Alyssa Colagato, come on. Is there is there anything that you guys want to get in before we move on from talking about uh, the movie? In its current form. Once again, the singing in the rain. Sid Cherie should be here. Like, we're just not even trying to hide it at this point. Just that whole closing number. Which maybe made less sense in that movie than it did in this one. But still, just a completely unnecessary musical number. Very thin line between tribute and uh, lameness. Right. And there's even, (laughs) there's the line in the movie about nostalgia. That they say. yeah. But how, like, what is it? Like, dangerous nostalgia could be, whatever the line is. And it's like. Now you're just self-referential about how you're completely ripping everything off. Okay. Like, you don't get to get away with it just because you named it. Right. Exactly. So at this point, we normally talk about what it would be like to remake this movie. Uh, uh, Would any of us bother? The only thing that I would pitch is remaking this movie from the perspective of all of the background characters that we just, like, constantly forget about. So, like, her roommates who had to find a subletter because their friend got a jazz. <laughs> or, like... John uh, Legend. All, right, John yeah, Legend. Yeah. And, like, his deal with, like, his very problematic pissy piano player. <laughs> or, like, the the musicians in the club that he takes her to and, and how they, like, constantly are having to deal with, like, Tinder dates coming on their first date to this club. This yeah, insufferable I mean, man explaining <laughs> jazz. Instead yeah. of listening to it as it's happening yeah. right there. Yeah. I would watch a musical about J.K. Simmons just running a business. <laughs> just running a small business. I gotta deal with this. I gotta deal with that. I'm angry. Yeah! When I... When I watched this movie, I didn't realize that it was the same guy who had done Whiplash because I didn't remember from 2016. And so at the time, I was just like, why would J.K. Simmons do this movie? And I was very... How did you get J.K. Simmons for a day? Right. I was very upset with him about it. I was like, you're better than this. But I get and it. And then you're like, oh, it's the guy that got him an Oscar. Right. Before that. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. All right. J. Jonah Jameson, I see you. <laughs> do, do you think J.K. Simmons had a... Because J.K. Simmons is not in Babylon. Uh, do you think Simmons had a conversation with Damien Chazelle being like, listen, listen, uh, you, listen, you marble haired fuck mod or whatever. J.K. Simmons does that like, he does that crazy cussing where it's like too much. Yeah. He just goes, I'm not your Elizondo. I am not your Hector Elizondo. <laughs> I've got commercials to be in, goddammit. We are farmers. Yeah. <laughs> now don't come back till you have pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> um... Well, all right. Let's let's go into our final feature here then, uh, which is uh, you know th- this song won the best original song Oscar. But if we were to remake this song, you know, if we were to remake this movie uh, from the background, you know, the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead of Moonlight or of La, of La, La Land. Uh, oh no, I did it. I did. I see how easy it is for it to happen now. Then uh, we would need a new song to try and win that best original song Oscar once again. So that's what we do here on the podcast. We do we add new songs into these musicals. Uh, so 
I really wanted to capture, we spent a lot of time talking about it here today. I really wanted to capture how cool it must be to date someone who loves jazz this much. Because <laughs> um, there's not really a song about that in the movie. So uh, Steph did this duet with me. Uh, it is uh, Sebastian and Mia singing. Uh, this song is called Jazz Boyfriend. And uh, we're going <laughs> to listen to it right now. Hi, I know we had plans, but remember you said how you didn't like jazz? Well, that stuck in my head. I brought over some records. Where's your hi-fi? My what? Forget it. It's fine. I brought mine. So here's Jacko Pastorius, Basie and Bix, John Coltrane's Ascension is my crucifix. Please at least tell me that you brought some pot. Nope, we'll be stone cold sober. Do you want to remember this or not? Jazz boyfriend. Oh, you signed up for a jazz boyfriend. So now instead of spending your time having fun on the town, I'll fill you with facts till you fucking break down. Oh, jazz boyfriend, that's life with a jazz boyfriend. I had plans with my gal pals tonight, but I'll ditch so I can learn about bebop artists like Buddy Rich. No! Buddy Rich wasn't bebop, he's more like Big Bam. Here's Jelly Roll Morton, he played Dixieland. I swear, you'll find enlightenment in Art Tatum. Hey, are you asleep? Babe, it's 4 a.m. Yes, but all the best jazz happens when you're up late. But I haven't auditioned for JJ Eddie. No, I canceled that. What? Just because we'll need some time to really unpack Bitches Brew. It's a double album. Oh, jazz boyfriend, you committed to a jazz boyfriend. You made the goof of showing slight interest just to be polite. So now I won't shut the fuck up about it each night. Oh, jazz boyfriend, it's so fun to have a jazz boyfriend. He plays me jazz and gets really mad if I look at my phone or when I can't recognize Louis Armstrong's trombone. No! Louis Armstrong played a trumpet. And Elvin Jones was on the drum kit. And Benny Goodman was conducting. Uh-huh. Hear how it sounds so dang bleary. That's what makes me happy. Oh, baby, I'm just a simple lady. I act, my thoughts aren't weighty. Can't we just watch Big Bang Theory? No, because, because I have, have a jazz boyfriend. It's a chore to have a jazz boyfriend. And with my devoted jazz boyfriend, you'll never sleep. Because there's records and records to go through in here. I won't see my friends again until this time next year. So I hope you can memorize all of these names. Because I, I found, found you at last. Like that song by Etta James. James. No! <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Jazz Boyfriend. Uh, the hot, thank you, hot Very single nice. uh, from nice. Musical, the movie, the podcast. You know, part of the whole concept here is that I don't know how to... I, I don't I don't know. I'm not a songwriter. I don't know how to do this. I just try it anyways. Uh, and so that's a song that really could have benefited from a musical director taking a look at it. But instead, I put these I things together great. in 24 hours. More uh, Oscar worthy than City of Stars. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's, Amen. it's not much of a compliment, but I'll take it. I'll be honest with you. I forgot that there was a jazz musician who has the same last name as that Olympic runner with no feet that killed his girlfriend. <laughs> Oh, Pistorius. Pistorius, Oscar Pistorius. Yeah, yeah. yeah I Jocko was like, Pistorius. "What? Wait, wait, what?" I was like, "Oh, that's, there's another guy." All right. I really had to call on first of all all the knowledge that I gained from one year DJing at a jazz station because it was our University of Memphis College <laughs> radio station uh, to write that song. But also, more importantly, what I what I called on was my knowledge as a wrestling boyfriend uh, and and what that is like for Steph. 
Um, which... Yeah, I will say I did really relate to a lot of the pieces of this in a, <laughs> just an adjacent kind of way. Which... And I love wrestling. Yeah, yeah, and I do love wrestling now because I of do you. love wrestling. <laughs> uh, I do, it's true. Well, as always, good a time to mention that uh, the only place that you can find the songs that we do here on Musical the Move the Podcast is on our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumbfun, which is the Patreon for the whole Dumb Fun family podcast, including 30 characters, which Mike's on a very fun episode of, as well as uh, Fanny Falls Demon Hunter, which only has two episodes left. Uh, and uh, and so check that stuff out. And uh, let, let's go to you guys and see what you got to plug. Mike, what's going on with you, bud? Uh, yeah, so... As uh, Andy mentioned, I, I started teaching. I've been doing stand-up comedy for almost 14 years now, but I'm oddly on my first ever like light hiatus. So for the first time in my existence as an adult, I have nothing to plug. So instead of <laughs> plugging something, I would just like to let you guys know that I like ice cream. <laughs> All right. Well, I will need to get a working comic to redub all your lines from this podcast then. So I'm going to call. I'll take bookings. I'll take bookings. If you want to book me on something, I'm there for you. I'm just not sending emails or producing anything. Uh, But at the Mike O'Keefe on Instagram, follow me. I post stuff. It's fun. Cool. Thanks, guys. This was a blast. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you for doing it, Leanne. Uh, I am a member of a theater company called The Coil Project, uh, and we have an actual live radio show, I know that is a little odd these days, uh, called The Coil Project Variety Hour, and it plays on a radio station in Maryland uh, called Tacoma Radio, and every other Sunday we do uh, we do The Coil Project Variety Hour, and it is a series of um, scripted plays that we write so shorts um there's some comedy there's some more like sci-fi serious stuff that we do and so i perform on that and write some of the shows so that is on tacomaradio.org uh if you ha- happen to have nothing to do every other sunday at 6 p.m <laughs> love it incredible that sounds awesome. uh, to have you here and have you here mike two of my favorite people uh but uh leanne like we have this is i think i said this is our second face-to-face conversation in 20 years we've been like internet friends for 20 years we we there was no zoom in 2003 (laughs) no uh and uh so just a delight to have you here uh good to be here hope to have you both back but uh steph what about you i want to plug internet friends i i (laughs) have some of my own from way back when and it's just it's really a special kind of friendship and i'm really glad that we have built this world that could make this conversation happen i dare say the best thing to come out of live journal is our friendship yeah that's fair hot take hot Um, takes at the end well uh i'll just mention uh you know show look I'm doing Spitfire comedy this coming Thursday where I eat hot sauce and do stand-up comedy. And I can, if I can stay on stage <laughs> after eating the hot sauce, I get to do more time. That's how fucking desperate it is. I mean, who am I to shit all over the audition scenes in this movie when I'm eating hot sauce for more stage time? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and then also, um, I'll just say that we have on February 5th coming to the Laugh Factory, the roast of 90s music, uh, where uh, Mike will be playing Bob Seger. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Mike, Mike <laughs> never, Mike never okay, stopped fucking me to have him play Bob Seger on a road. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'll be playing Garth Brooks, and uh, it's going to be a very fun show. And we're doing it in Louisville at Planet of the Tapes, March 3rd and 4th as well. So Chicago, uh, February 5th, and Louisville, March 3rd and 4th. And other than that, follow me on Instagram, Andy Zaster, uh, or Twitter, Andy, Andy Fleming, one Andy, 
nope, two Andes, one M. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. Um, thank you guys again for being here. And Steph, do you want to talk thank about what so we're doing? Much. Well, I mean, can I just say that uh, because February is your birthday month, I get no input on the movies we're watching in February. Ooh. And you are later in the month using that against me to have me watch what I am on the record as saying is my least favorite movie of all time. But that's not what we're doing next. But you're just going to have to wait for that. Yeah. Catch us back in two weeks. Um, No, yeah, it is my birthday month. And so for uh, our next episode, we are going to talk about a musical about two struggling artists and their relationship and the form that it takes over five years as they try to support each other. Oh, my God. We're um, watching La La Land again. (laughs) I swear to God, I didn't understand that. And then we watched La La Land and I was like, God damn, this is going to be a really fun A.B. with the last five years, which is one of my favorite musicals and uh, a movie. So I look forward to talking about that. (laughs) Anna Kendrick and who? Uh, Jeremy Jordan is his name. He's a a Broadway boy. Uh, he's a Broadway boy. (laughs) Uh, Well, to all you little Broadway boys and girls, uh, leave a playbill under your pillow tonight so that (laughs) Lin-Manuel Miranda will come visit you and complain about not having an Oscar. And uh, until then, we'll see you in two weeks for the last five years. Bye, everybody. Bye. Musical the movie, the podcast. Musical the movie, the podcast. Musical the movie, the podcast. With Andy and Steph. Bone Dome.